Isn't that great? Love that. I mean, it's uh, what last Sunday's sermon was all about, trusting, uh, trusting God's faithfulness and uh, saying God, uh, yes to God's ask in, in our own personal lives. And so uh, really to continue that this morning, I've asked uh, Nathan and Claire Brown to join me. And um, they, they really did what we talked about last Sunday. And um, I don't know if you picked up on this, but it was, uh, uh, it was on Facebook. That's how I got alerted to it. And then I saw it in the World Herald, the article this last week. And uh, Nathan, and really it, it was a team effort, but uh, Nathan uh, came up with a uh, God spoke to him, gave him a, a personal ask at, uh, at work uh, to do something for a coworker. So I've asked Nathan and Claire to uh, tell this for you this morning. Well, about a year and a half ago, um, I started to work for McNeil Company Builders, a home construction um, company here in town. And uh, through that, I got to meet a guy named Jeremy. And I worked with him off and on for the next 10 months. And it was one day after work, we were just kind of talking. And we got to talking about his, uh, he's got a hereditary kidney disease, which does bad things to his kidneys. And he was talking about how he's applying to be on the uh, tra uh, transplant list and that he was real worried that he was going to have to start dialysis soon. And I just, feel, I, I just felt this overwhelming sense. And now, looking back, I know it was God, you know, starting to stir in my heart. Um, you know, some way I could help, help him. And um, I went home that night, and at the dinner table, I, started to, uh, I told Claire about it, and I told Claire how I was feeling, and, you know, maybe that this is something that we should look into. So my first reaction was that maybe when Jeremy got someone else's kidney, we could cook them a meal. I um, <laughs> love that. But we talked more yeah, about... Yeah, that's the great picture up there. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy with the beard. Yeah. Um, we talked more about how strongly Nathan felt about this and kind of the call that he was feeling. So we agreed that I would think and pray about it some more and talk again later. Um, that Sunday, Steve was preaching about tithing and kind of giving back to God what he has blessed us with and... During the sermon, I was really feeling guided by the Lord to think about um, how this is an opportunity for Nathan to give back to God what he has blessed him with, with his health. And this was a, obviously a huge way to help Jeremy and his family. Hmm. Um, so at that point, we began talking to our family and our close friends about the surgery and what it would mean for us. And then we also started meeting at the medical center um, to get some questions answered and then to begin huh. the process to see if Nathan was a match to Jeremy and then if he was healthy enough, which was about a 10-week testing process and uh kind of through that whole ordeal we you know we would pray um lord we need your guidance on this and lord if this be your will um let me be a match and let me be healthy enough but if it's not your will lord just be clear that we're either not a match or that i'm not healthy <laughs> enough to live on one kidney and we passed every test with flying colors we were a great match um, and that really helped the when they asked at the very end of the testing if we still wanted to do it, um, that really helped in being able to say yes because mm. it's, it's, we knew it was something God wanted us to do. And um, through the support of our family and our close friends here at Brookside and the, the company, it was just great to see how much they were willing to help and support us. Um, mm. And just all the different roadblocks that would come up with me not working for eight weeks and, you know, the financial struggles there. God just plowed through um, all of it. And just being fully reliant on God is a, it's a humbling feeling, uh, but it's a reassuring, comforting feeling. And huh. through that Love whole it. recovery process, we weren't worried really about anything. We were 
that taken care of, and it was just an awesome experience. Huh. That's great. Thanks so much. I, right? That, that, yeah. I can't. That's just a powerful example of God's faithfulness, and, and you would say God being with you, and you said it. So thanks so much. We really, really appreciate it. All right. Wow. Well, I love, um, I love what we're doing right now. I love doing 365 with all of you. It's uh, been motivating, so, so encouraging to hear you, t- you tell what, what it means to you, you know, and, and uh, that the fact that you're not, you know, you're doing something n- not alone, but you're doing it with a whole lot of other people. And I, I think about how, really, you could compare this to running a marathon with several hundred people rather than running alone. And the thing that gets me probably more pumped up and excited about this than anything else is that we're not simply reading through the Bible in 2016, but, but we're doing something that has great value for all of us, and that, that is we have a goal to read it, to read it every day. And so if you're part of this, I'd just say way to go. And if you haven't uh, started yet, boy, pick up tomorrow, uh, February 1, uh, uh, easiest book to begin with, the book of Leviticus. So, uh, you know, go for it. Uh, join us on the journey. Uh, you know, one, of, one of the things uh, I, I've enjoyed is uh, the comments and conversations that I've, I've had with you about this. And last Sunday, someone uh, said to me, you know, Steve, every, every week I, I, as, I'm, as I'm reading through the scripture for that week, I, I wondered to myself, what, is, what, what part of scriptures, Jeff and Steve, are, are they going to preach on this coming Sunday? What are they, they going to be talking about out of what I've read this last week? And so they said, you know, I came here this morning thinking that you might talk about God hardening Pharaoh's heart. And uh, you, 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 if you're familiar with that, you might have asked yourself the question, well, what's that all about? You know, it just stirs up some, some uh, challenging questions in our, in our own minds. And they thought, and he said, you know, I thought you might be talking about that. And well, I didn't. I, I felt God leading me to a, a different a subject that we talk, talked about last Sunday, the faithfulness of God. But I did ask Tim Weeby uh, to put together some material for us on this. It really deals with some of the difficult questions that come into our mind when we think of God doing this, God hardening the heart of Pharaoh. And, and Tim did a great job at this. And uh, he also, knowing that we're, we're coming into the book of Leviticus tomorrow, he put together a couple pages on the book of Leviticus, too, to help guide you, guide you through this. So all you have to do uh, to get this is to go on, you know, Brookside's website, go to the message page, and uh, the section there that has notes, that has the notes. You just see it right along with the audio and the, the video and right there in, in that part. And, uh, and it really, you're gonna, you'll find both very helpful for you. We're also going to send a, an all-church email out tomorrow. And uh, there'll be an attachment that'll have that on, on there too. Or if you're here today and you'd say, Steve, I've never turned on a computer in my life. Uh, I, what are they? You know? and, and we would say we got, uh, we got some hard copies for you out there at Connection Corner, and you can, um, you can pick that up. But again, only do that if you, you, know, you just don't get the computer at all because we have a limited number. So number five, we're in the fifth week of a nine-week series on the Torah. And the Torah is a title for the first five books of the Old Testament. 
and it means teachings or or instructions. And really it was written to, to guide us in knowing God and understanding God's purposes for our lives. And, and, and one of the things you discover, especially as you read the book of, you finish up with the book of Exodus today, and then you, you start getting into Leviticus, is that included in the Torah are uh, uh, a whole bunch of laws uh, and rules that God gave for the people of Israel that really describes uh, what it means for them to live in a relationship with God. And um, you, you read some of those, and you, you, you have this, you're going to go through this experience if you haven't read them before, like, what is that all about? And just some of them might seem really strange to you. The thing to understand is that they, they were written to a group of people, to the Israelites, who, who were about to live in a culture that it was as, as, as crazy and as, as immoral and bad as any culture could probably be. And violent, I mean, you name it. In fact, I would say it was, it, it's like the world of, of ISIS on steroids. Um, if, if you could think anything could be worse than what ISIS is trying to do to our world today. So really what, um, what Tim wrote is going to be very helpful for you in sorting all of that out. Now, um, uh, if you're on track with uh, uh, 365, uh, you're going to finish reading the book of Exodus today. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to come to two of the most significant chapters in that book, chapter, chapter 19 and chapter 20. In fact, some scholars would tell you that they are pivotal chapters in, in all of Scripture. And they would say that if, 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 you, don't, if you don't get... Uh, Exodus 19 and 20, you're really not, you're not going to be able to understand what the Torah is all about, the first five books, or really all of God's word. And here's why. Here's why. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bottom line it with one statement, and then, and then through these two chapters, I'm going to help you understand what this statement is all about. And so here's the statement. Very important. And you're going to, I would say this is one thing, you, if you take notes, you want to write this down. And I'll repeat it several times. But with God, it's relationship first and God's way of life second. All right? So with God, it's relationship first and God's way of life second. So let me, let me say it a different way, all right? Keeping God's laws, keeping God's rules is not a condition for having a relationship with God. It's not a condition for having a relationship with God. What it really is, it's, it's a confirmation that you already do have that relationship. Okay, so with God, it's relationship first, and it's, it's rules, or it's laws. It's, it's living out God's way of life second. So there's two things that I'd like us to see this morning. It's going to help us with all of this. First of all, how Israel was brought into their relationship with God, how it all began for them, and then secondly, the, the, the overarching purposes of, of God's laws, most important, the Ten Commandments. And so both of these are going to, what we're going to talk about is going to help us understand this key statement that with God, it's relationship first and it's God's way of life second. All right? Now, hang with me on this as I do this today because... It's a difference between being religious and being in a loving relationship with God. And I can tell you, it, it is, 
more than anything else, understanding this is life-changing. It, it'll make all the difference in your life, both now during your life, during, during now, lifetime on this earth, but also more, even more importantly for all of e eternity. And here's why. Here's why. There's a belief that shows up in many world religions. And it's a belief that God, that, that God is good and that people are evil. All right? And for us to have any kind of a relationship with God, we've got to live up to God's standards. We've, we've got to keep all of God's laws, and we've got to do it good enough that it will be pleasing to God. Or to say it another way, we've got to somehow find a way that God would want anything to do with any, any one of us. Right? Any one of us. And, I mean, that's, you think about that. That's, that's a little bit overwhelming, isn't it, to, to, to reverse the whole thing where we say it's, it's rules first, it's laws first, and then possibly we can have a relationship with God. Now, what I've, what I've found through the years as a pastor, and, and I'm sure you would understand what I'm saying, is this doesn't leave anybody feeling all that good about God or all that good about themselves. It's like if you, if you live that way under that kind of a religious life, life you're, you're living under a constant tension. You, you never really know, have I, have I been good enough? Have I done good enough so that God would accept me so that I could have God's forgiveness and have a relationship with God, not only during my lifetime on earth for all of eternity. That's, that's just not a good way to live. It's pretty miserable, actually, to go through your whole life never really knowing, have I done good enough for God? Now, added to this, and it's really very tragic, you look at many of our world's religions, and, and, and you'll see the extremes to which people go to, to find this, uh, this elusive kind of a, a relationship with God, peace with God, and any kind of a reward in heaven, I mean, extremes, even to the point of harming themselves or harming other people, which the epitome, who, who epitomizes this, again, coming back, is ISIS in our world today. When you, you hear about, you know, become a martyr, be a martyr, and heaven will be absolutely great for you, that kind of thinking. Now, fortunately, fortunately, and this is why I'm you know, I'm so excited, so, so thankful to be able to be up here this morning. This is the complete opposite of what we see in Exodus chapter 19 and chapter 20. In fact, in all of Scripture. And what we discover, and here's the big statement again, with God, it's relationship first and God's way of life second. Now, to understand how true this is, we need to see, first of all, how Israel was brought into a relationship with God. And this brings us to Exodus chapter 19. And if you remember last week, God is calling Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery. And as much as uh, Moses pushed back, as much as he was reluctant to do this, when it was all said, said and done, he did go to Egypt. He did lead the Israelites out of slavery. And now they're coming to this very important place. So Exodus chapter 19, verse 1, we read this. On the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. 
And after they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of that mountain. Anybody know what the name of that mountain is? Give it a try. Mount Sinai, that's right. And if, if, you th if you said Mount Horeb, you'd be right too because that's a, another name for it. All right? So um, let me ask you a second question. When was the last time Moses was at that mountain? Was he ever there before? Yeah, he was. He was there last week. Last week in my sermon. All right, when, when God said to him, you're going to come back here again to this mountain. In fact, it was one of, one of God's responses to Moses' objection to doing what God wanted him to do. When, when Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I should, that I should go to Pharaoh and deliver the Israelites out of slavery? Which was his, remember I said last week, it was his way of saying, I'll tell you who I am. I'll tell you who I am. I'm an 80-year-old shepherd who's a, who's a fugitive. I'm the last guy in the world you ever want to send anywhere to save anybody. To which God responds with this incredible statement. God said, I'll be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it's I who sent you. When, you've been brought, when you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. <laughs> um, now, um, this is the best thing Moses could have ever heard. I mean, God is saying to him, Moses, it doesn't matter who you are. What matters is who I am. And what matters is that I'll be with you. You know, I'll just say what I said last Sunday because I think it's it's worth repeating. You might be here this morning, and you're facing a, you're facing a challenge in your life that is, that is bigger, more intimidating than any challenge you've ever faced before. And, and you need to know, you absolutely need to know that God's going to be with you and that God's faithful. Or it might be, like what happened to Nathan and Claire that God's tapping you on the shoulder and God's making an ask of you that takes you way beyond your comfort zone more than anything else you've ever done. It's a huge stretch for you. And you need to know in the same way that God is faithful and that God will be with you. And what I can tell you this morning is that one of the things that's true about God is that God never changes. God is always the same. And so God will be as faithful to you today and as much with you today as he was to Moses in, uh, hundreds, hundreds of years ago. So now Moses is at this mountain. And I'm betting, and I'm betting he remembered what God said, that he'd be back at this mountain again. Only this time, he's not alone, is he? He's got over a, a million people with him, and they come to this mountain, and this is where they're going to stay for nearly a year. Nearly a year. I don't know if you realize it, but it takes a, a lot of biblical material to cover this period of time. All the way from Exodus chapter 19 to Numbers chapter 10. So you got 59 chapters of scripture that they spent at Mount Sinai. A lot happened at Mount Sinai. 
And so this brings us to verse 3. Verse 3. We read this. And Moses went up to God. This begins. And the Lord called to him. Just imagine, just feel this. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you're to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you're to tell the people of Israel. And here's the statement, everybody. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to, my, your, to myself. I, this might surprise you, okay? But this is actually one of the most significant statements made in all of Scripture. It's a, it's a key reason that Exodus chapter 19 is, is such an important place in God's Word. Again, God said, You've seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you. And God uses this great metaphor. Carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Over Christmas when Beck and I were with Nikki and in Bellingham and Washington, and we went up into the mountains. Nikki said to us, "Watch, look, look at the top of the of the pine of the pine trees." She said, "Right now, this is a time of year when there's a lot of eagles that are perched at, at the very top." And so we looked and we watched, and sure enough, there was like one tree after another. These towering trees that that had eagles perched at the very top. It's incredible to see that. I thought it would be good to give us a visual this morning of what God's talking about. So watch these, um, this video. Isn't it amazing what you can do with a phone? I mean, I just leaned out of the car window and took those. No, I didn't. All right. But you know what? You know, I thought it would also be fun and helpful for you to, to get a feel for what it's like to be on the back of an eagle as it's flying. Okay, and this is real. Okay, this isn't a joke. Watch this. Like an eagle, like an eagle, God lifted the Israelites out of their slavery in Egypt. God saved them. God delivered them. It was all by God's power. They did absolutely nothing, nothing. Hang on to this, okay? It, it, it speaks to us a key truth in Scripture. God said, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Which is exactly the same point God made in the very first statement as he, as he gave the Ten Commandments in the next chapter. He said, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Incredible. 
these two statements together. And God's saying to the people of Israel, I'm the Lord your God who who did for you what you could never do for yourself. I I delivered you. I lifted you out of of Egypt. God said, "I I did something that was miraculous for you. I did a miraculous thing and I did it with you doing absolutely nothing for me. Go back to the chapters in Exodus, chapters 7 through 12. Describe the plagues that God brought upon the people of Israel, upon, upon the, the Egyptians. And, and, and one of the things that you, you find is that, that God didn't expect them to do anything. God, God only had one thing that he asked of them, and that is that they trust him, that they trust him. There was nothing they could do to deliver themselves out of slavery. All they needed to do was trust God. We're a total of 10 plagues, if you're familiar with that. And the 10th of those plagues was the one that finally brought Pharaoh to his knees. It, it was the death of, of the firstborn son of, of, of every person, every family that in the land of Egypt. And God asked the, the, the man of, of every family to, 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 to do this, and that is to take, the, to take a lamb. To slaughter it and, and put the blood of that lamb on, on the door frames of their home, on, on the top and on the sides of those door frames. That's all that God asked them to do. And, and then they were, to, they were to stay inside of their houses that entire night until morning. And really, this, this was the only thing God asked them to do. And it's all about trusting God to save them. Because on that night, God's angel passed over Egypt. For every, every house that did not have the blood on the door frame, there was the death of the firstborn son in that home. See, I don't think I'm stretching it to say that this was truly the most significant night for the Israelites, for the whole history of the nation of Israel. So important that, that God told them that they were to remember it with a meal that they called the Passover. And so God said this to them, when you enter the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Is that important? Jesus Christ himself celebrated the Passover with his disciples on the very night before he was to be crucified. This is all that God asked of the Israelites, to sacrifice a lamb and and put its blood on the door frames of their houses. This, This simple act of trust in God to protect them from death. So, the question is, what does this mean for you and me today? What does this mean for us? I mean, that's really the question, right? And I got to tell you, it means everything. It means everything because it's the difference between being religious and, and, and being in a, in a loving relationship with God. And there's nothing more life-changing than for us to understand this difference. Religion is a man trying to 
to reach up to God. Christianity, the message of Christ is God reaching down to us and, and God bringing us to himself. Religion is what we do to, to somehow be right with God. Christianity is what God's done to make it possible for us to be right with him. You know, I thought it would be so good to help us be able to see the contrast between religion and relationship with God. So I just want to talk this through with you. So first of all, religion is I obey, and, and, and therefore I hope I'll be accepted by God if I just obey enough. Relationship is I am accepted. I'm accepted by the grace of God, and therefore I want to obey God. Religion. Motivation is based on fear, fear of God and, and insecurity, whether or not we're right with God. Relationship with God is, motivation is based on gratitude for God's grace. In religion, I obey God in order to get things from God. And more important than anything else, to get God's forgiveness and eternal life. In relationship, I obey God to honor God, to delight God, and to be like God. See, what we're talking about today is the grace of God. It's by grace we have a relationship with God. It's, it's not by what we do or don't do. And, and, and what begins our relationship with God, everybody, it just continues all the way through our, our whole life. It's about grace. Which leads us to chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. And what I'd like to do this morning is just give you a, a very high view of, of what the Ten Commandments are all about and really what, what they do for us. So very quickly, number one, they tell us a lot about the God who wrote them. They, they reflect the character of God himself by, because they show us what it is that God values. So, for example, the Ninth Command says, God said, you should not give false testimony against your neighbor. God's saying to us, you shouldn't lie. You shouldn't lie. And the reason God says this to us is because God is a God of integrity and a God of truth. Second, they, they give us navigational cues for advancing through life. This is a journey we're on. And, they, and really, when, when you see all of God's laws and understand that they're given in the, in the context of having a relationship with God, a loving relationship with God, that God loves us, we understand that God gives us these laws, not because he wants to limit us in any way, but because he wants us to be able to maximize the lives that he created us to have. Because God loves us. So le let me give you an example uh, from the fifth command here, and I thought I'd do this one too for your parents, okay? Uh, so this one, honor your father and your mother so that you, and I don't think this ever stops, by the way, okay? Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long, and then I, I love this statement, and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That, that, that part about that it may go well with you, it's not just that, that it'll there won't be any bumps, okay, that everything will just be sort of good. What it's talking about is that life for us will flourish, that it will absolutely flourish, that we'll be able to experience again what God would, would have us experience. 
Number three, they, Ten Commandments, they, they test our character. They test our character. They, they help us see what we're, we're made of. They, it's, like, it's like looking into a mirror and seeing who we are, who we really are. You see, the Ten Commandments give us something to measure ourselves up against. All right? And then the last one. They point us to our need of God's grace and God's forgiveness, which brings us all the way back to what we, we've been talking about this morning. The grace of God. Because the truth is, none of us have perfectly obeyed all of God's Ten Commandments. We just haven't done it. Which really brings it back to the only way that's possible for us to have a relationship with God, to have God's forgiveness. And that's through God's Son, Jesus Christ, dying for us for our sin. Because Jesus Christ is the only person who perfectly obeyed every single one of God's commands. And he not only obeyed them, but he did it with a heart that was filled with love for God and filled with love for other people. So God sent Jesus to do what none of us could do for ourselves. And because this is true, he's the only one, the one through, that can bring you and me to God. That's what Exodus chapter 19 is all about. And so we come back to this statement. I carried you, God said, on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. I'd like to just rephrase that a little bit. It's like God is saying, I carried you on an eagle's wings. One eagle. One eagle. And brought you to myself. And I think I could really say that Jesus for us is that he's that one eagle. He's that one eagle, and, and trusting in him is like climbing on his back and climbing on his wings and letting him lift us out of our slavery to sin and our slavery to death. See, that's why Exodus chapter 19 is a, is a pivotal chapter in all of Scripture. You, you understand that, and you understand what Scripture is all about. It's all about God's grace. It's all about God's grace. Lifting us out of our sin. Lifting us out of our death. Let's pray. Let's stand together. And, um, you know, this morning you might have been sitting here and, and listening to this and, and saying, wow, Steve, I think I really get this. I've never heard this before. I've never, never thought that, that for me to be able to have a relationship with God is not something I've got to do to somehow earn it. I, I understand today it's because of what God did for me through his son Jesus that God's the one who made it possible by Christ dying for my sin. You know what you can do this morning is you understand that? You can have a conversation with God as, as I'm praying. You can say, God, I want to tell you, you know, I know what you know. I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm a sinner. Today, God, I just want to climb onto the wings of your son. I want Jesus to be my Savior. You can pray that prayer. And I kid you not, the moment you pray that prayer, you become a child of God. You have a relationship with God. It's God's child forever. Nothing will ever take that away. So let's pray, okay? Father, I praise you for your love, your grace, 
Thank you, God, that you know there's just nothing we can do to somehow make ourselves good enough. It's what you've done for us, your son, Jesus Christ. God, I'm just so grateful. I'm so thankful. It just gives, it just changes all of life. It just gives us why we're living. It helps us understand what it's all about. And we're so grateful to you for that. Christ's name. Amen.